Hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Today's Let's Be Blunt, we're going to be delving into the world of cannabis in the heart of our nation, Washington, D.C. Initiative 59, a voter-endorsed ballot from 1998 that set out to give legal status to medical cannabis, despite a sweeping 69% vote in favor, the Bar Amendment by Congress held its implementation back by barring the, US, the use of D.C.'s funds for it. This caused the medical marijuana program uh, to get rolling only in 2009 for the first legal purchase of medical marijuana in 2013 in a dispensary in D.C. Later, in 2014, Initiative 71 got approved, legalizing possession of small amounts of cannabis, which kick-started in 2025. Our esteemed guest has been advocating for D.C. marijuana justice since 2016 and is, flourishing, is a flourishing cannabis entrepreneur since 2018, owner of the renowned DC Edibles business and a thriving screenwriter screenwriter, and co-host of a Cannabis Speakeasy, I'm sorry, the host of Cannabis Speakeasy, Lisa Scott, welcome. Thanks so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt today. All right, thank you so much. Absolutely. You know, I was very much involved in DC way back in the very early, as a matter of fact, I think uh, I was working with a company back then that got awarded one of the first uh, DC licenses, though I ended up breaking off relationship with that company and it went on to try to open up its facilities and I got away from them. But let's begin with your story. Let's talk a little bit about, are you a DC native? Uh, no, I'm not a native, but I've been here long enough. Uh, I've lived here longer than anywhere else. So uh, about 35 right. years. Yep. All right. Give me some more information about your background. What did you do? Where'd you grow up? You know? Um, yeah, I'm from rural Pennsylvania and, in the boonies, actually, uh, really tiny, tiny town. Uh, population was never went over 200 people. So wow. it was, yeah, one of the tiniest towns. Sure. Where'd you go to school? Did you go to college? Yeah, I, I uh, you know, I went to school there and then I went to the University of Delaware. Um, that's where I guess President Biden went, but of course, not at the same time. Okay. <laughs> and, and then I came uh, down here to DC because I had some family down here and I, I've been here ever since. And then you got there what what year? Uh, when did you get there? Uh, early 90s, 92, something early like that. 92. Okay, yeah. so now share, share with us your journey with cannabis. I mean, what got you interested in the whole cannabis movement? Yeah, well, I was never really involved with cannabis at all. And uh, when when they passed Initiative 71, I had a colleague of mine who knew that, you know, I had a history of, I was a catering chef um, and, you know, I cooked a lot. And she's like, Hey, do you know how to make pop brownies? And I'm like, uh, no, but I can figure it out. And so we experimented and, and things like that with the, the brownies because that's, you know, the most recognized edible um, from long ago. And, you know, we started giving them out to people. You know, there were a lot of cannabis events around the city and uh, people were just showing up. And so we were giving what out. Year, what year was this? What year was this? That must have been 2016. Okay, but let, let me go back a little bit before that. So you were not involved with cannabis as an as an entrepreneur or anything before 2016. No, nope, not at all. Nothing. Okay, and so you 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 got involved in it basically just to see if you can grab a niche in the market. But let's I I, I want to talk about the DC market and itself because I remember uh, you know um, literally testifying and also speaking before a council that was you know awarding the licenses. 
back when they first started uh, to come about, it took a long time. I mean, DC awarded not licenses, and then it took a long time for them to actually implement this, okay? Uh, so um, I guess when you got involved, it was already now implemented and ready to go. But uh, there's some really intricacies about the DC law. Can you take us through a little bit of that, or do you know it? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, the well, they opened up the medical marijuana program, and they're very cautious about every little step of the way. And it was, you know, they had a bill, and they had every few months, they had to make more amendments and amendments because, you know, when they originally opened it, I mean, they only allowed the cultivators to grow 100 plants total. And it was like, that wasn't enough. Um, they had no idea really what the program was going to look like. So, um, yeah, they kept making amendments, but the, the entryway to get in was really ex difficult. Um, you really, you know, pretty much everybody who got in had to have at least a million dollars of cash money to get started. And you had to have so many things in place before they would give you the license. So Lisa, tell me a little bit about the licenses. Is, is it, is it the, are there multiple different types of licenses? Like you have a completely vertical license for growing, uh, processing, distribution, or do you have a growing, processing, then you had to get a dispensary license? And you said you work in edibles, so was there a separate edible or kitchen license? Explain to me what's going on. Yeah, well... Anyway, and, one, and one more thing. Explain this whole idea about what's happening, because I've heard some things about D.C. I've never purchased some cannabis there, but I've heard about you have to go in and you have to buy something else, and then you're really not buying cannabis, you're buying the other thing and they can give you a gift of cannabis. What right, right. Well, actually, um, you know, when we were, I said, at, at started out with uh, making uh, brownies, right? And we were giving them away. We were going to these events and they're like, well, you can't sell them. Uh, so how it actually started was we said, okay, well, let's create our own event. And we did. We created an event and hundreds of people showed up. And we were just, you know, selling our brownies and other edibles we were making. And there were other people with their products and things like that. But the money was just flowing. And I was like. Well, you said you were selling your brownies. I thought you just said you couldn't sell it. Yeah. So well, we had our own. The event. We had our own little private event. And it was. Yeah, we were. Yes. It was a loophole that we found in the, in the law. So we had found these socks that had cannabis leaves on it. So we were selling a pair of socks. You buy a pair of socks and you can get whatever cannabis you want. So the socks could be, you know, $10 or they could be $100, depending wow. on what you, what you wanted gifted to you. <laughs> so, that's so strange. So I could go buy a pair of socks and get a couple of pre-rolls and get a couple of brownies and get some other edibles. Right. But, but you're only but, buying the socks. But I buy the socks and, and when I add it up with the pre-rolls and the edibles all cost, that's the price of my socks. Right. The socks could be, you know, they could be $400. Is that still be, going on today? They could be $10. Is that uh, still what's going on today? It is still going on today. However, it technically it's not legal. Um, but it because it's kind of a loophole situation, they couldn't really crack down on it. Because if you could show proof that, you know, you paid, they paid for the socks, there's, there's nothing they can do about it. So we started that and it, it blossomed. We were doing it. The first day we did it, I, I was able to make a mortgage payment. And I'm like, wow, in four hours, I made a mortgage payment. This is where I need to be. Um, so we continued to do these pop-ups. 
And then other people were like, oh my God, we need to do these pop-ups too, because they were so successful. And it just got full blown here in DC. It went, it was wild actually. And um, they were all over the city and the city, you know, there was nothing they could do because they're all private parties, private events. Um, but they, you know, eventually uh, started busting some of them because they were doing them in bars and restaurants and they definitely couldn't have those in those bars and restaurants. Right, because bars and restaurants were not considered dispensaries. I mean, it, it, does does DC have a dispensary system or no? Yeah, they have a dispensary system in the medical med program, but there's only maybe six or seven dispensaries. And those dispensaries, can they sell cannabis or they still have to sell socks? Or no, they can, no, they can sell cannabis. They can sell straight, you know, with the, you get to have to get a medical marijuana card. Got it. So they can keep track of everything you buy. And, you know, a lot of people don't want people to know that they're on this list and buying this and that. So, you know, they're, they're willing to go, we call it the gray market. Um, because it's and that's really where you are is in a gray market. It's we're not still a in the gray market. market, and we were fighting for years, and and then COVID hit, of course. So the pop ups really stopped completely because everything was shut down. Um, and then after COVID kind of lifted, people were like uh, putting up brick and mortar stores. Um, so they were all popping up all over the city. And the brick and mortar stores were again stores that were selling a gift, other, something, other products, something. items, and in gifting the cannabis. Yes. And could you could you buy? Remember, it was somebody was telling me you couldn't even really buy paraphernalia. Meaning you couldn't walk into a store that sold pipes and get a gift of cannabis, but you could walk in and buy a scarf and get a gift of cannabis. <laughs> right? Well, no. I mean, it could be anything. It, okay. it you could okay. do the pipe if you wanted okay. to. Yeah. Okay. But okay. um. Yeah, so that happened. And, you know, over the time post-COVID, the number of stores just went crazy. Uh, there's probably 150, you know, D.C. is a small city, uh, maybe 150 stores. And you didn't have to get a cannabis license for that store. You had to get just a license. Just regular license. And some places didn't have even have a license. They wow. were just open because, wow. you know. Yeah. Um, so it, it got crazy and the city was trying to crack down and we pushed back. Uh, hey, everybody, we just want to be entrepreneurs. Okay. Uh, we're not trying to be criminals. We're not trying to be thugs and street street drug traders. We, we just want to be in this new industry um, because, and, and because of Congress uh, having control over the DC budget and the DC laws, they had this rider on the budget um, that kept us from opening up an adult use retail business. So, um, so the city couldn't shut down. They tried, we kept pushing back and they decided to find their own loophole uh, in the medical marijuana program. And so they lifted the cap on the medical marijuana program said anybody who wants to apply can now apply. There's no competitiveness to it. You don't have to have everything in place. And they reserving half of those licenses, new licenses to social equity applicants. So anyone who was harmed personally or someone in their immediate family um, who may have been arrested or jailed or imprisoned uh, for drug use, uh, 
is applicable, can apply as a social equity applicant. And I know you probably looked at what transpired yesterday. I guess President Bush issued a executive order basically expunging the record of anybody who was was uh, arrested for cannabis on federal land, federal property. D.C. is considered, even though it's a district, it is federal land, right? Because you're under the auspices. Well, I'm huh? <laughs> um, trying to figure out how that's going to work have, out. We have maps of D.C. that are D.C. property and federal property. Um, so there is a big difference. And most of the people uh, that have been arrested were not on federal property. Okay, so that's how they're differentiating. So, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Right. Uh, so, so there, there, we actually did some advocacy events where we would be on a private property that was right next to federal property, and we could do all of our stuff and and everything. And um, they really basically couldn't touch us um, wow. because we were on DC property. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So, I mean. <sighs> How does a well? And again, I'm, I'm trying to figure out: is DC a medical <laughs> territory or a adult use territory? It's a medical, legal medical territory. Adult use is okay because you can grow your own in your home, uh, and you can indulge in your home, so you can have it. Uh, you just can't make money from it directly. Directly. Yeah, but you can. Give it <laughs> figure it out, right? Right, exactly. Well, yeah, that's the loophole we found. But so, so now um, they opened the door to the medical marijuana program, and um, they created new licenses. Um, before um, the medical program, only the cultivators could make the concentrates and the edibles and things like that. Um, but we're like, most of them were in warehouses um, that didn't have kitchens. So they couldn't make edibles, and most of them didn't. I think maybe one cultivator made edibles. So there's really only a few options for edibles uh, in the legal dispensaries, which made my business as an edible maker, but appetite very lucrative, and other edible makers because a lot of new people or people who want to get back into indulging with cannabis for whatever reason. Um, recreational or just for health benefits, they might not want to smoke, um, but they know how to eat because we all know how to eat. Sure. <laughs> so sure. eating is easier. You don't have to learn how to smoke, you know, and you can eat a, a gummy or a cookie or, you know, put some honey, infused honey or something mm -hmm. with your food and, you know, get the health benefits. Sure. Um, yeah. Sure. And so now, I mean, would you describe the DC market as robust? Would you describe it as, and what about, you know, I guess you have to have a card to be a part of the medical community. However, you can still go to one of these other stores and not have a card or now because they've expanded the number of dispensaries. I, I'm, I, I'm getting it. You're traveling. I, I want my people who are watching this and you happen to be going to DC next week. And somebody says, well, we're going to pick something up. What do they got to do? Yeah, it's a little crazy. Uh, they did open the door. Anybody with a medical card from any other state can come and use and and buy in our legal dispensaries. Okay. But we have all these illegal brick and mortar stores, and most people have absolutely no idea that they aren't legal. Got but it. because the city is allowing them to remain open, 
while they find a pathway for them to become legal. So that's what that's what we advocated for. We insisted, and they they caved and they created a bill that allows now everybody who wants to be into the business can easily apply, and they made it affordable for everyone. Um, so now we have a lot of applicants actually in the manufacturing and the cultivation, probably 150 applicants. Wow. And then yeah, in the retail stores, we have about 75 applicants to date. Waiting to get their license and opportunity to do so. Exactly. Got it. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about you. You, you mentioned your brand, which is Butta Petite, right? Let's yes. talk a little bit about that and how people get more information about it. Is there a website? Yeah, ButterPetiteEdibles.com is uh, my website. Um, I did apply for a manufacturing license and a cultivation license. Um, because I do grow my own. I've been growing my own and making the edibles for my own grow. I don't use any outside sources or anything. So I know 100% that it's, you know, organic and everything that goes into all the products that I make. Um, and, you know, but Appetit is a very cool name. Um, a few years ago, when the pop-ups were happening, I actually rented a little mansion on Capitol Hill. I mean, right on Capitol. I was right next door to a senator. Uh, half a block from the Hart Senate building. And they stopped by a nice product? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, they could have. <laughs> I'm sure the age may have bounced in. <laughs> yeah, I called it House 51, you know, like Area 51. Nobody knows sure. what's going on. And, you know, we held secret parties there and it was a lot of fun. And uh, we're like, this is, you know, this is the life. This is the way, you know, people want to relax. And, you know, it was it was safe and it was fun. And, uh, I'm also a screenwriter, like you said, and I said, this is so much fun. I should be writing it down. So I did. I wrote it down uh, as a as a, a television series mm-hmm. called But Appetit, like the first underground cannabis cafe in the nation's capital. And I produced a proof of concept pilot and I'm I'm trying to get the show out there. Wow. And have you gotten any interest? I, I have n- I have not gotten enough interest to get me where I need to go. Um, mm-hmm. But I've, I've been continuing to work on it. And, you know, with the streaming and the cable, there's a lot of, you know, room for more stories out there. And there's not any really good weeds, weed shows right now. So we need to uh, uh, get that on, get that on. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that you may find, uh, you'll find that, uh, it just, you know, Hollywood doesn't, doesn't ever actually set trends. They follow trends. And, you know, mm-hmm. as we look at what's happening in, you know, uh, in the legal world, uh, you know, I would venture to say that in the next seven or eight months, the DEA is going to step up to the plate and do what they should have done years ago. And that's reschedule, at least reschedule and reschedule schedule three. That'll make this a, a product that can be talked about rather than having to be ignored. You know what I'm saying? So it right. may open more opportunities for you once that happens. Yeah, I hope so. That would be great. That would definitely be great. Um, again, oh, good, good. No, good. No, I was, I, I mean, there have been shows like Weeds and High Maintenance and. Uh, yeah, but, I, but, I, I, but unfortunately, I think a lot of the programming that's been out there to date when it comes to cannabis has just been, again, um, more stoner culture rather than, you know, the opportunity to discuss something that's a needed product. Let's figure it out here. Come on. We have 38 states in the District of Columbia right now that have some form of cannabis program. And. 
you know, we're still joking about it as if it's some sort of a joke. And it really isn't a joke behind it. It's just another way and method of people, you know, uh, relieving pain or, or um, easing anxiety, you know. So as long as I think we don't go after it from the just and – and I'm not putting down other people. I'm just saying that there are multiple perspectives. There are a lot of people who are getting into this don't consider themselves a stoner. They consider themselves, you know, uh, taking care of themselves holistically. True. I, uh, I'm one of those people. Um, I was struck with uh, a se- severe case of arthritis. Um, and it just, my knees w- were crazy. I was actually wearing braces on my knees, you know, to work and to, to do anything. And I couldn't even sleep through the night. I would wake up four or five times. I moved my knee and it felt like someone was stabbing my knee. So I couldn't even have a good night's sleep. So I started infusing honey and drinking a cup of tea with honey in it. And the first time I tried it, I woke up at eight o'clock and I'm like, all night. I slept all night. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what just happened? Right. I mean, this stuff is fantastic. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And I'm really a, a strong advocate for Mother Nature, actually, because if it grows it, in Mother Nature, I mean, there must be a purpose for it. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and in the DC market now, I mean, you, you did address the fact that, you know, 50% of the licenses have to go to a social equity program. Do you think that they are literally adhering to the social equity thing where they just find the people of color to put their faces on the name of the license to move it forward? No, you have to show proof that uh, you or someone in your family um, had been arrested or jailed or imprisoned. And, you know, we are, I mean, there was a time when everybody was getting, I, knock on wood, never was arrested, but um, I know a lot of people who have, and it actually was pretty serious because some of the, the, the security of it was, was bad because it was still an illicit market that everybody was dealing with. So if you had some kind of issue with someone who was trying to rob you or, or whatever, or shake you down, you couldn't call the police for help because you were doing something illicit yourself. Um, and also if the police came and I know that some people, the police just took their stuff and said, okay, go. And so now they had, the police had your product. They didn't arrest you. And they were just there. They were just being their own crooks and, you know, they don't want to admit it, but you know, that's, that's, that's what happens, you know. And I'm sure that product found its way back into the marketplace somehow, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, now tell me a little bit about, you know, uh, how um, they, uh, are they expanding on it? What's the, the D, what is the DC Cannabis Business Association? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, when I, when I, there was, when there was some rumors that Congress was going to lift the rider, this this clamp down on us to keep us from having a, an open market uh, was going to be lifted. You know, everybody was getting excited. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to start this trade association so that when we get our licenses and, you know, we can work together and create a, this new industry and it be safe and secure for everyone and, and create guidelines for our consumers and for our entrepreneurs you know, to do everything safely and secure. And, um, but the rider wasn't lifted. So we were still doing advocacy for two or three more years. Um, the rider's still there because Congress 
you know, had this Trump problem that they had to deal with and they just didn't really care about the DC residents. Um, so it's still there on the books and they found a loophole to open the door by allowing us to get in without having to have a lot of money, um, which is great. Uh, and it's really, they really, really did a great job actually, because when you compare it to other states, like Maryland is right here. Um, if you want to get a cultivator's license here, the, the license fee is $11,000. Um, in Maryland, it's 125,000. Um, so that's crazy. Uh, most people can't afford $125,000. Plus you need to have the land or, you know, the warehouse, if you're going to grow inside, um, DC, we don't have any land that's open. Uh, it's all federal. Like right. I said, um, so we have to grow indoors. And so we have to grow warehouse. And right now that's our biggest problem is there's not enough available warehouse space and affordable warehouse space for all the applicants. Um, so we've been fighting right now with, well, not fighting, but trying to get the zoning um, and the licensing board to work together to relax some of the requirements of where we can grow and manufacture the products. And having shown, I guess now for what, 10 years, well, not 10 years, but for seven years, the ability to do this safely without, you know, the sky falling. I would think that that's something that would would push them in the right direction, right? Right. right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they do talk about the rise in crime, which is actually all over the, the country, you know, with carjackings and, but none of it has anything to do with cannabis. Yeah, chances are, you know, you're not going to find too many people out there who are using cannabis who are robbing, killing, and no, in fact, the exact opposite. We're like, hey, here, let's let's share it and have a good time together, right? Right, absolutely. Most people are, you know, I I think that you're finding that, uh, you know, less violence takes place in places that there is more cannabis and where we still have, you know, the ability to do other substances, that's where some of that violence comes in. Um, you know, if people wanted to find out more about what you do, where would they go? Give it out again. Yeah, uh, DC Cannabis Business Association.org. Uh, we are a nonprofit and uh, uh, we're, we're open for anybody who wants to become licensed. We have regular town hall uh, meetings uh, about every month. And we in, invite uh, ABCA, which is the licensing board, and they come and they participate, which is great because they have all the answers that we can't answer about licensing and all the things that are coming. And they've been wonderful, actually, and working with us um, so that we can get it right. Because after they did pass the bill, they've had to make several amendments to the bill that they passed um, because it. they rolled it out really quickly. But Every step of the way, we find new issues that have come up. Right, right. So now tell me, uh, what do you got? What do you have uh, on the horizon? Anything coming down the pike? Um, well, right now we're still in the middle of you know just trying to get people licensed. Um, we have uh, most of the licenses are conditional until you f- you get a location. So I think that's the biggest problem. If you can't get a location, you can't open up shop. You can't grow. You can't manufacture. 
Um, so and you still can't. Can you, is there any cross business cooperation? Meaning, like, okay, so I got a license, so I can have a brick and mortar that I can provide product to the consumer from. Can I get my product from a third party, or I have to grow my own? Period. Well, you can grow your own. That's that's an option, but there are different licenses. There's the cultivation license, the manufacturing license, the courier licenses and the retail licenses. Got it. So the retail licenses right now, there's about 75 or 76 applicants, um, but they can't actually open and stock their shelves until the manufacturing and the, uh, the cultivators get up and running because, you know, everything has to be grown and produced in the District of Columbia. Got it. But, but I'm saying, like, if let's say uh, somebody wanted to open up their own retail shop and they came to you and you're going, to, you're growing. So what if I came to you and said, look, you know what? You got your own thing. You do your thing over here. I'll just take your product and put it on my shelves and I'll sell it over here. Exactly. Can you do that or you can't do that? I can do that. But okay. I I can do that when I find a location and, and start growing. So I don't have that right now. I'm still looking oh. myself. Oh, wow. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. Cool. Yeah. So, but once uh, that happens, I mean, we can all do that. We can, we can wholesale to all the retail stores. There's plenty of retail stores. It is a small city, but the city really relies a lot on tourists. And yes. I mean, people come here from all over the world. Um, they come here for the Smithsonian politics and now the weed. There you go. All right, for sure. Well, again, throw out your stats one more time. People want to get a hold of you and find out what's happening. Where where's the best place for them to go? DC Cannabis Business Association.org. Or that's the nonprofit. If you're an entrepreneur and you want to get some more information about how to get your license, you have some questions or issues. We have a, a whole board of people with different skill sets that can help you with. And if you want some edibles, you can contact me at budappetitedibles.com. All right, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for being a part of the show today. And, uh, you know, at some point in time, if you ever want to come back and share some more, we'd love to have you, okay? That would be great. I mean, especially when I get the TV show off the ground, that that would be wonderful. There you go. Okay. Well, reach back out to us, okay? And if you need some help in that arena, let me know because we might be able to help at least uh, shuttle you around in Hollywood to see if we can find you a place where people are willing to listen. Okay, that'd be great. I appreciate right, that. Thank you. For sure. Thank you. And Thank you, you tuning in to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.